Hey guys, this is Horror-like Behavior, and this one is a movie episode. It's going to be a little bit different. So today at work, my coworker um, talked to me about a movie, and I had never heard of it, and she explained it to me, and I decided to do it for today's episode because it sounds cuckoo bananas. And if I haven't heard about it, then there's got to be a lot of other people who also haven't heard about it. So I will be back in a little bit and we'll see how it was. Wowzers. That movie made me feel like I was on the drogas. What in the fuck? Okay, so this movie features Jesse Eisenberg and Imogen Poots. Very unfortunate last name. Some may know her from movies like Green Room and That Awkward Moment. I'm not quite sure how I feel about this movie, guys. A lot of feedback I'm seeing from people concerning the movie is saying that it would have been far better being just a short film, and I don't disagree with that. I feel as though some scenes absolutely could have been shortened and still would have had just the same effect. But that's just my opinion. Vivarium is a 2019 movie about a young couple, Gemma and Tom, who are taking the next step in their relationship by looking for their first home together. They decide to take a look at a new development neighborhood called Yonder, stupid name, which Billboard boasts your home right now. And let me tell you, before they even got in the neighborhood, red flags were popping up on my radar immediately. As soon as they stepped into the office of Prospect Properties, the creators of Yonder, I got the willies. The man who I guess is like the office manager or agent, or whatever. The dude who's in the office, he's just acting incredibly suspicious. and if it were me, I would have promptly left just as quickly as my ass came in. Uh Uh-uh. That was the couple's mistake, though. They took notice of the guy's odd behavior. Oh! Oh my gosh, realtor. The guy was a realtor. A fucking realtor. I don't know why I couldn't think of, of that title. Um... It's beyond me. Anyways, um, Gemma and Tom took notice of the realtor Martin's behavior and still said, okay, let's do this. I don't entirely feel all that bad for them. Again, I say choices. Choices, my dudes. So Creepy Martin wants to show them the homes that Yonder has to offer, but it's a bit of a drive. When Gemma asks the location of the neighborhood, Creepy Martin says it's near enough and far enough, just the right distance. Sir, that just does not answer the question. That statement has created more questions. One in which would be, huh? Come again? Can you give me an approximation in miles? Are you going to kill us and wear our skin? So they make the hike to Yonder, driving behind Creepy Martin. When they get there, every house is identical to one another. I mean, there are no deviations between them. There also isn't anybody walking up or down the street. No pets. No cars, no squirrels or bunnies, no people. I wouldn't want to live on a street like that. Stepford Wives-ish and shit? Nope, not for me. They arrive to home number nine and get out to begin their tour with Creepy Martin. It's not a bad home. It's a good size. It's just so normal. 
your general showroom type home. No character whatsoever, just like the neighborhood. And I know some people like to live in homes that are newer, and I guess there are some perks to that, but I have personally never wanted to live in one of those cookie cutter neighborhoods. I like more vintagey homes with moss and, you know, character. Home number nine was pretty sterile, and it lacked what Gemma and Tom were looking for in their first home. While on the tour, Creepy Martin offered them a basket that had champagne and strawberries in it, but they declined, not wanting to give the wrong idea to Martin. When it was time to view the backyard, Creepy Martin kind of just dips the fuck out, and they're left like, what in the, where did this creepy motherfucker go? He is nowhere to be found. So they're like, all right, well, let's get the fuck out of here. Now is their chance. So they get back in the car and they try to retrace their drive to exit the neighborhood. But it's as if they are in some unsolvable labyrinth. They drive and they drive. Tom even gets frustrated and asks to be the one to drive because apparently Gemma was incapable. <sighs> but of course that makes no type of difference. They keep arriving back to the same house number nine. They have no cell phone signals. They've run out of gas. It becomes very apparent that they are indeed stuck in this nightmare of a neighborhood. So with nothing else to do, they head back inside the home. They try some of the champagne and strawberries from earlier that they had declined. And they had no taste whatsoever. What the hell? Can you imagine the disappointment after being in such a shitty situation? And then to top it off, you can't even eat and taste? I'm a chunkerino, so let me tell you. I would be livid. And their situation just keeps getting worse. These poor, unfortunate humans. They try to go through the backyards of the other homes, hopping from yard to yard, hoping to run into somebody, anybody, or at least reach an end to the never-ending neighborhood. But they just end up right where they started again, at home number nine. They get packages daily, containing food and necessities, but the food seems to have no taste, just like the champagne and the strawberries. And then, an even stranger package arrives. A fucking baby. I'm sorry, but that's the last thing I personally would want showing up on my doorstep. The box in which the baby showed up in was a box just like all the other items arrived in, only this time it read, Raise the boy and be released. Excuse me, what? And this isn't any normal child. Oh, no. It grows insanely quickly. Its voice sounds like an adult's. A mix between Gemma and Tom's as it mimics the two. You want to know what else this child does? When it's hungry, when it needs something, it shrieks. Not cries, shrieks. It's like nails on a chalkboard. And Gemma and Tom have no other choice but to raise this thing. You see them grow more and more tired. One day Tom is smoking a cigarette, and when he throws the butt, it lands on the grass in the front yard. And the grass, like, disappears or pulls back. It's really hard to describe, but you see dirt. So Tom has the bright idea to start digging, and he does, every single day, to the point of obsession. He thinks that this is their way out, but what, what, 
It is not. Spoiler alert, neither Gemma nor Tom is able to leave the neighborhood or home number nine. And in fact, they both die. How? Well, you'll need to find that out for yourself. The second half of the movie is bleak as fuck. Like I said earlier, it makes you feel like you're on drugs. It just leaves you with a weird feeling in your body, man. Because of how the movie ends, I definitely needed to seek out some clarity. So I turned to Collider, which is a website that um, does interviews and has movie news and things of the like. So I found an interview with writer-director Lorcan Finnegan and the other writer Garrett Shanley. And um, I kind of just wanted to hear about what the movie was supposed to symbolize in their own words because throughout the movie I definitely, you know, gathered my own interpretation of what was trying to be told via the movie and it kind of did align with what they had to say but I'm just gonna read the quote from Lorcan. He says, what is it that young people are afraid of these days on a more existential level? Are they afraid of big weird winged creatures or are they afraid of their lives becoming repetitive and boring and all of their hopes and dreams getting sucked away by making a couple of wrong choices or being tricked into a situation that they hadn't quite predicted that they'd end up getting stuck in. So we were trying to create a monster that would be relevant for that story. He also mentioned as well that it's about consumer capitalism. They did both say too that they want a lot of it to be up to interpretation, but it's definitely made me more paranoid, I guess. You know, I'm of a certain age and I see people around me married and having children and moving into homes that they bought and I am not going to be, you know, ready for that anytime soon in the near future and so part of me is just like well shit so thanks vivarium you have made me overthink shit it's imdb review time the movie is currently sitting at a 5.8 on imdb which is not terrible but it's not great and i want to say it's probably the lowest rating of any of the movies i've done so far this first one, the user gave 1 out of 10 stars, says, It doesn't come any worse than this crap. Don't waste your time. There are literally not a lot of worse films in existence. Waste of time. Garbage. Whomever created this crap needs to get wrecked. <laughs> this next one is also a 1 out of 10. It says a 1 out of 10 because there is no 0 out of 10. This movie doesn't deserve its rating. To sum it up, there are man and woman stuck in an endless maze world of cartoon-looking houses. The only way out is to raise a human-looking thing for them, which will then substitute the human-looking thing that lured them there in the first place. So you watch one hour to see how a cycle is closed. What is the purpose of it? You won't know. What are those human-looking things? You won't know. What is this world? You won't know. Why was this movie created? You won't know. Now spare your one and a half hours and watch something else. 
If you've already watched it, please give it a 1 out of 10 so no one sees this again. They are very passionate about their distaste of this movie. Now let me read a positive review, a 10 out of 10. This one says that the movie is a metaphor for how most people live their life today. Everything about this film has a deeper message. There are two types of people in this world. Those who live a different and interesting kind of life and those who just go through a very common cycle. This film is about the true perils of spending your life going through a very common cycle. Most of my friends have chosen that common cycle. And then you die having achieved nothing of significance. Man, I don't want to die achieving nothing of significance. A lot of the user reviews say that the movie is kind of like an episode of Black Mirror. So if you like the show Black Mirror, you might want to give this movie a go. Also, people mentioned the movie being like um, an episode of The Twilight Zone as well. So, I mean, I think anything, anything is worth one watch. So I would recommend it. I'd say my own rating would be right around there with um, IMDb. It'd be a 5 out of 10. Do you guys want to hear what the kid sounds like? Because here it is. Alright, that's enough of that. If you would like to message me on Instagram, I can be found at horror underscore like underscore behavior. If you would like to send a Gmail, it's horrorlikebehavior at gmail.com. If you would like to give me a high five, um, you can't do that right now because of fucking COVID. Rain check. Bye guys.